Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 May movies in today's episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing ovation on Royal Dalton Music Hall. What is this? Uh, we're pretty we're pretty late into June uh, to be doing this episode. You know, I had issues and and whatnot to kind of delay everything in in June. So there's still today's episode, uh, top ten new movies that I saw for the first time in May, as well as um, we've got top ten June-born actors uh, still to come. That will probably be uh, an episode for next week, uh, and. Working on Friday's episode, uh, there's a decent chance, well actually there's a there's a 100% chance that it is related to Toy Story, so uh, Toy Story 4. Anyway, another couple of interesting things about this month's list, uh, we have four films out of the ten on this month's list that are all from the same franchise, uh, we have... The first list that starts actually with bad movies, I believe. I think every other month I've done this, I've had uh, nothing below the 50s. This is the first month where there will be movies rated below a 50 that make the top 10. It was a pretty slow month. I only saw, I think, 41 unique films. And the number one film I saw last month was a rewatch. So it doesn't even count. Um... And uh, about half of them I've already talked about in some capacity or another. So it could be a short episode. Uh, We will see as we get into it, really. But let us, let's just get into this. Uh, This is going to be the top 10 movies I saw for the first time in May. Number 10. It's a film I saw May 26th, 2019. It's about 83 minutes long. It is from 2002. My summary, a robot is created using the skeleton of the original Godzilla. I gave this movie a 47. It has no score on Rotten Tomatoes. It is from the Godzilla franchise. It is directed by Masaki Tezuka, starring Yumiko Shako, Shin Takuma, Kana Onodera, Ko Takasugi, and Tsutomo Kitagawa, and that is Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla. So there's been Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla, uh, which came out, I believe, in the 70s. And this is Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla, part of the um, millennium era Godzilla movies from Japan, foreign language film. And the Godzilla franchise from Japan is is a really tough one. It's almost as convoluted as the X-Men franchise from Fox in terms of what actually is canon. And I think that answer changes depending on which movie you're looking at. And Godzilla against Mechagodzilla uh, basically takes the original film, the very first Godzilla movie, 
And now we have a new Godzilla, not the same one from the first movie, which is dead. And in order to stop the new Godzilla from destroying Tokyo slash Japan, uh, they resurrect, kind of, uh, they, they, they enhance and build Mecha Godzilla out of the bones of the original. If that makes sense. Um, it it's it, it kind of doesn't. Most of these movies don't, and uh, there's a reason that this only has a 47. I don't think it's a good movie, but uh, it it is one of the mildly entertaining ones. You know, part of the Millennium uh, franchise of Godzilla movies. At least the Godzilla looks a lot better. It's still basically a guy in a suit, which is fine, and. You know, it's it's um, it's a short movie. This is one of the faster-paced ones on the list, uh, on the in the franchise. And it, if if you like a giant flesh lizard fighting its, you know, mechanical carbon copy, hey, what's not to like? You know, the human characters in this don't get anything to do like they generally don't in most of the movies, uh, most of the Godzilla movies after the first one. But that's the, you know, that's not, not the, not a bad thing. Mecha Godzilla isn't really my favorite Godzilla enemy. Um, regardless, you know, depending on like whether Godzilla is a good guy or bad guy. Um, it's one of I think three movies with Mecha Godzilla in the title. Maybe there's more where he's actually in it. Uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. This one, you know, it, it's 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 exactly what it 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 pretends to be. It is just Godzilla fighting his mechanical clone, quite literally. Um. Yep. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's that's about it. Uh, there's not much more to it, and there'll be there'll be a little more to talk about in the other Godzilla movies that also made this list. So number ten, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Number nine is a film I saw May twelfth, two thousand nineteen. It's about a hundred minutes long. It's from nineteen ninety one. My brief summary: Time travelers attempt to destroy Japan with a giant monster. I gave this as a 47 as well. It has a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is from the Godzilla franchise. It is directed by Kazuki Omori, starring Katsuhiku Sasaki, Kosuke Toyahara, Ana Nakagawa, and Megumi Odaka, among others. And it is Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah, the three-headed flying alien monster, um... There's a lot going on here. <laughs> there is a lot going on in this movie. Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah is... The, 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 the title makes it seem very straightforward, and somehow it just isn't. The, the, the One of the things, one of my problems with this franchise, particularly the Japanese entries after the original, is how convoluted everything seems to become unnecessarily. So, let me, let me go a little deeper into this plot. Time travelers 
from the 23rd century. Come back to the time when this movie was released. So like 1991-92. They show up in Japan. They warn them that in the 21st century, there's going to be a nuclear incident caused by Godzilla. And they want to rid the world of him forever. Nice. Happy, good guy, time travelers. So, the plan is to go back to 1940s, uh, where uh, Godzilla was formed by the initial radiation exposure to a dinosaur, and then get him, and, and stop him then, okay? Which, okay, I, I, can, I can kind of wrap my head around it so far. But the problem is, the time travelers are not good guys. They are the bad guys. Um, they bring King Ghidorah into the 19, early 1990s and try to destroy Japan. And uh, because Japan will ultimately become, you know, like the dominant force in the world. Um, I don't, not physically, I think more like economically they're, they're talking about. Uh, so, then, luckily for Japan, there's still a Godzilla, he awakens, slash, arises, slash, appears, and fights off King Ghidorah. There's too much, it's just, it's too much, okay? It's just too much. (laughs) I think it's a lot, it's very overwhelming. Uh, the film is... Uh, rough it's rough you know the plot is such a mess um it's it's often very stupid on the other hand uh, you know like most of the most of the godzilla movies uh post-1990 i think it has decent visuals for what it is and what it's doing um, King Ghidorah is always exciting to see on screen. If you saw the new movie, King of Monsters, King Ghidorah is badass. He's crazy. I thought he was very well rendered in that movie. Um, this is this is the follow-up to another Godzilla movie, Godzilla vs. Bialante, Bialante, I think. And um, this... That was a very poorly received film. It is a little bit worse than this one. And so, you know, they keep kind of going back to the same well. Mechagodzilla, King Ghidorah, Mothra. Uh, We see these characters recur a lot throughout Godzilla's mythos. And I get it. You know, these are the iconic ones. You know, there's only if outside of Godzilla, there aren't too many of the kaiju that are very commonly aware known uh, in among the public, I think King Ghidorah. Maybe you don't know his name, but I bet a lot of people would be able to recognize, you know, the three-headed dragon, flying dragon. Of uh, Mothra, uh, you know, is another one. Maybe Rodan, but definitely Mechagodzilla as well. And so, you know, you keep going back to the same well, and you keep mining it, and I guess it works. I mean, they kept making these movies. For you know, decades over there, and still are honestly. So, you know, I think it's uh, you know, like I said, I think it's about as good as uh, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. I think Ghidorah and Mechagodzilla, they kind of have a, a ceiling 
in my opinion. I, I think it's tough to see. Uh, I think anytime you introduce a, a villain or or a hero that has to fight Godzilla, depending on whether he's a good or a bad guy in your movie, it often just doesn't quite get to the point where it's a really good movie. I think it's tough to do that. And that's why, you know, my favorite by far, and, you know, nothing, none of the others even come close, is the original one, because it's just Godzilla, and the other, and, and the good guys are human, and it's human conflicts, human drama, and they just haven't made it like that anymore. So, number nine, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Number eight, let's shift away from Godzilla for a moment. Uh, this is a movie I saw May 10th, 2019. It's 83 minutes long. It's from 2019. Uh, <clears throat> my summary, political campaigns during the 2018 elections. Gave it a 55. It has a 100% the last time I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Rachel Lears, starring Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Cory Bush, Joe Crowley, Paula Jean Swearingen, and Amy Villela. It is a documentary called Knock Down the House. Uh, primarily about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, who, spoiler alert, is now a representative for New York in the House of Representatives. This documentary follows her as well as a couple of other people who are trying to um, take out some of the sort of uh, stale, I guess would be an accurate way that the movie would describe them, uh, incumbents, Democratic incumbents particularly, uh, who just kind of haven't made the right moves and, and done enough and, and changed enough uh, during their long tenure uh, as representatives for the United States. And so this is sort of a movement, sort of a um, uprising uh, to challenge them. And... You know, this Knock Down the House follows these four women who are trying to overtake these opponents. And for the most part, um, only one, I mean, only one of them, only Ocasio-Cortez wins. And one out of four isn't great odds, but when you look at who they're up against, when you look at the, the hills and mountains that were in front of them and that they had to climb and see kind of what was achieved and I think Knock Down the House does a good job of showing the stakes uh, as well as the the overwhelming you know odds against them one out of four is pretty good honestly um, I'm a fan of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez I think that this documentary kind of I mean, because she's the only one that wins, it does kind of focus on her. And I thought that that did, I think they do a good job of like showing her campaign and showing, you know, what she's thinking, what she's doing, how she's reacting to this thing and that thing. And, but at the same time, the documentary wants to take this broader scope, wants to show this movement as a whole. And it just, it, it find, kind of loses its, its focus in that instance because, uh, I don't know how well it would work if it was purely a, a macro look at this movement, but I think the more interesting element is the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez campaign, simply because it's the winning one. Uh, I think you could have still included the others, 
if you were focusing on Cortez, but this tries to do both equally, and I, I think it does kind of stretch itself out a little bit and results in, you know, the first half of the movie is pretty evenly divided amongst time, whereas the second half is almost like 85% Ocasio-Cortez footage. So it just, it's incongruous with itself. Uh, so like I said, I gave it a 55. I did like the movie. I think it's worth checking out. You know, it's on Netflix, so it's an easy watch. And um, at the very least, it's it's interesting to see behind, you know, the curtains of these campaigns. And, you know, sh these people are literally, you know, on the street handing out flyers, handing out pamphlets, handing out this, talking, going to someone's house and just talking to one or two people at a time. And it feels so inconsequential and yet uh, that can be the difference, right? That can, that can make all the difference. So number eight, knock down the house. All right, number seven. Number seven, we're gonna go back to Godzilla. Um, this one I saw May 29th, 2019. It's 110 minutes long. It is from 2016. My summary, a giant monster threatens the lives of Japanese people as it evolves. I gave this a 57. It has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it is technically a Godzilla movie. It does not fit into the Godzilla, other Godzilla franchises. I don't really think so. Um, directed by Hideo. Hideaki Anno, uh, starring Hiroki Hasegawa, Yutaka Takanuchi, Satomi Ishihara, and Kengo Kora, among others, is Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla. I've heard a lot. I'd heard a lot of good things about this. I'd wanted to watch it, you know, a couple of years ago. Never really got around to it. I'm not sure what the reason was, uh, but didn't. Finally, got a chance to check it out. Uh, this is from. If you aren't familiar with Hideaki Anno, he is uh, very famous and known for his work on Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, which is a fantastic anime with some great accompanying films. Shin Godzilla is very strange uh, because I mentioned that the monster evolves. So... That, that is kind of the curious element of this movie. It's very much just Godzilla and humans. I don't think the humans are ever very interesting. I don't think they do much. Um, you know, I think they're very bad characters. Um, the visual effects are very uh, strange. So Godzilla starts out, it's, it's kind of like this tadpole evolving into a Godzilla throughout the course of the film. And the effects are not mm, always, you know, man in a suit. It, it just, it, it's, it's look, it, it's this, he, he mutates throughout the film and it's very, very uh, creepy. <laughs> it's very creepy to watch. Um, but... At the end of the day, it is basically Godzilla 
tearing through a city and uh, Japan and, and Tokyo and, and everyone trying to figure out a way to stop him, stop it, stop the destruction. Um, and each passing second, Godzilla becomes closer and closer to its fully full form and evolves to be bigger, stronger, faster, and more devastating. And so you you have to, you know, you, you have to understand and, and adapt with it. And it's not easy. Um, it's, it's really, it's, it's, I don't know, it's such a, it really does stick out if having watched all the other Godzilla movies prior to this one, uh, even King of Monsters I had seen before this, I was very, very perturbed by by this presentation of Godzilla. It's a very unique design, one that I, again, think sometimes the visuals are kind of spotty, but is crazy. It's a crazy design. It's It's very kind of inner turmoil-y, if that makes any sense. You can kind of feel... I think a lot of the Godzilla pr uh, presentations, it's just a monster. And what I mean by that is, in Shin Godzilla, you can feel that... Uh, you you can see in, in in his eyes, and his in his face, and his conduct, how much the radiation, the, the, the mutation, the evolution, all of those things are, are really just ripping apart the inner mind of this beast. And in all the other movies, primarily because most of them are just a guy in a suit, you don't really get that. You know, you don't really see uh, that Godzilla is going through the pain of, of his, his own existence. And this is one of the only ones, I think, that actually has that on display. And I really appreciated that interpretation of Godzilla because... I think after so long, you kind of forget where he came from and forget, you know, he wasn't supposed to be. This isn't just some thing that's always existed and we awoke it. You know, this is something that was created and this is a bastardized animal in this world. Um, and so to get this version of him, I, I really did feel myself drawn to this to, to, to Anno's presentation of Godzilla. I still think there's some problems. Like I said, I think a lot of the, all of the human characters are pointless, meaningless, worthless. Uh, the visuals don't always land. Uh, it's, it's really a film that could have benefited from a little slightly bigger budget. Um, but it's, it's a, decent movie it's 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 a decent godzilla movie it plays into you know you know 25 30 films into this character we're finally seeing a version that that is a little different is a little unique uh, an inter an interpretation that i i really enjoyed and i think that is you know worth praising and worth worth going to bat for so shin godzilla is my number seven from May. Number six, the last of the Godzilla movies um, to make uh, this list tonight, this month. 
I saw this May 14th, 2019. It is 101 minutes long. It's from 1995. My summary, a new weapon spawns a terrible new creature. I gave this a 58. It has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a Godzilla movie. It is directed by Takao Okawara, starring Takuro Tatsumi, Yoko Ishinu, Yasufumi Hayasha, Megumi Odaka, Sayaka Osawa, among others. And this is Godzilla vs. Destoroya. Now, if you saw Godzilla King of Monsters, there is a scene in that movie where the army slash government uses an oxygen-destroying bomb weapon. Uh, in, this mo- in that movie, it pretty much serves to incapacitate Godzilla, and that is the extent of it. Now, this movie kind of picks up the aftermath of that. And it, it is a slow starting movie, but once we get into the swing of things, we are introduced to a new beast named Destoroya, who is, de- who is formed by this oxygen-destroying bomb. He is intent on killing Godzilla, and Godzilla is close to uh, kind of blowing up, <laughs> uh, you know does feel like if there's anywhere, any direction for the present American Godzilla franchise to go, this is it. They use the oxygen-destroying bomb and King of the Monsters. Godzilla is absolutely, you know, nuclearly active. Um, so this feels like the direction it's going to take. And it's good. It's a good thing because this is one of the not-bad Godzilla movies that we've had. The fight between Godzilla and Destoroya is a good one. Uh, Destoroya is a very curious-looking creature. Um, you know, the the you can see in this Godzilla. Uh, you know, I mentioned kind of the wild mutating elements in Shin Godzilla. This is the closest I think the the suit man in a suit versions really come, and it, it really. It's pretty much all in the eyes. That's you know the 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 wild wild eyes of Godzilla are are terrifying, and Destroya is a a very. Let me see if I can Destroya. Uh, little more information on him. Um, let's see here. He is um, a crustacean kaiju. Um, <clears throat> so he he really is <clears throat> he really is just like as opposed to say King Ghidorah, as opposed to Mechagodzilla and, and other villains that villains slash heroes and monsters and giant things that. Uh, Godzilla has faced uh, throughout his franchise. Um, he is this really, in my opinion, the best antagonist to Godzilla that I've seen outside of humans. Um, you know, he, he, he changes forms throughout. You know, he... he 
has different versions uh, that we see, whether, you know, kind of like in Shin Godzilla, he's mutating, he's evolving. There's a little bit of that in Destroya as well. Um, you know, he is mm, very much... One of the things that I kind of like about him is how kind of, how, how kind of focused in on what he's doing he is. You know, this isn't just some sort of mindless creature. He, he He's pretty much very aware of, of what is happening. He's a very cruel creature. Uh, he attacks baby Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> you know, he... His his roar sometimes comes across as a laugh, and you know he, you know we we talk when you talk about villains, um, you look at you know comic books, superhero villains, you know just normal everyday villains, things like that. One of the key elements and what makes a villain great can, is that they can attack the hero or protagonist on multiple fronts. You know, and I think most of the creatures that Godzilla fights are pretty much physical attack. You know, just they fight each other, and there's really not much more to it. Destroya is one of the very few villains antagonists in the Godzilla franchise that actually has multiple levels of of attacking Godzilla because by going after his son, um, you know, by going after. Uh, by by being this kind of cruel this sort of cruel element, you know, he's able to attack him on an emotional level in addition to physical. And I don't I, I wish Destro Destroya looks awesome. I think he's super super cool looking. He doesn't un unlike Godzilla, he doesn't really feel like something that was spawned from a bomb. Uh it looks, you know, more like a kid drew him, in a sense. So if they do bring him to the um, current franchise, current monster universe, uh, I hope they, um, I hope they, they they you know give him a, a re more a slightly more realistic design. Uh, you know, if you see Mothra, Rodan, even King Ghidorah as an alien, the ones that they showed in this movie, they they don't seem super out of place. Uh, they they feel realistic. They feel authentic, and I worry that Destroya is not going to have that same authenticity. But number six from May, Godzilla versus Destroya uh, is a good one. It's it's a above average one. <laughs> uh, so that's number six. Number five, we're out of the Godzilla realm. We're moving out, going to other movies. Number five, I saw this May 1st, 2019. It's 96 minutes long. It's from 2018. My summary, footage from the live recording of Aretha Franklin's titular best-selling album. Whoa. I don't know why that happened. What? back what are we doing what's happening here there we go all right titular best-selling album i gave this a 60 it has a 99 percent on rotten tomatoes it is a documentary 
It is called Amazing Grace, directed by Sidney Pollack and Alan Elliott, starring Aretha Franklin, Sidney Pollack, James Cleveland, and C.L. Franklin. Uh, Sidney Pollack, who, who, uh, who has unfortunately passed, uh, was in the middle of filming, or not really in the middle, but did film a behind-the-scenes documentary uh, during the recording of Amazing Grace, one of Aretha Franklin's albums. And this is four, like almost four dec, more than four decades ago that all this took place, and it's finally Alan Elliott and and I guess an editing team. Uh, Jeff Buchanan is the editor. Finally, put together all this footage and created a film out of it. So there's not there's no talking heads. It's not you know a, a traditional documentary in that sense. It's pretty much just Franklin singing, and occasionally you'll see, uh, what is it, James Cleveland, I guess, uh, adding in his own spice, adding in his own, you know, turns of phrase, and um, yeah. So mostly it's just watching Aretha Franklin sing her her live gospel album, and. I, I'm not really a fan of Aretha Franklin. Not that I think she's a bad singer, because obviously she's incredible. Not that I dislike her. I just don't ever really listen to her. I'm not very familiar with much of her music outside of some of the big ones. And there's there's an inconsequentiality to this documentary in how straightforward and uncomplicated it is. And so that didn't do a ton for me, but uh, can't deny it, it. If if this was just a concert, it, it sounds amazing. Obviously, Aretha Franklin, one of the greatest voices ever, uh, and and this really does show it off. And you get to see a little bit more than than just her singing. You get to see some of the um, you know, sort of sort of minor things that go along with it, and. You get to hear a couple people talk about her and introduce her when she's singing and, and learn about her and, and, and kind of, I don't know, get just a little deeper into into that mindset and, and into her world. And for that, I, I think it is very enjoyable, very watchable, very exciting to see, you know, how often do you get to see live footage of any incredible performer, artist, whatever, in their prime? You know, this is, you know, these are, these are the kind of videos and, and movies and documentaries that, that some people will live for. And if you are a fan of Aretha Franklin, I, I mean, you got to see it. You have to go see it. Uh, you know, you get some duets with the Reverend James Cleveland, who, in and of himself, is not a bad singer. You know, he he holds his own with Aretha. Uh, you you hear some words from her father. You, you it's 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 a performance. It really is, and a good a damn good one, a damn good one. Uh, there's not much more to say, really. It's it's just footage of a of a album recording. 
and there aren't many better, better aren't, aren't many better uh, albums or singers that could have been put on display than Aretha. So, number five uh, with a sixty from May is Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Number four. Number four, I saw this May 15th, 2019. It's 88 minutes long. It is a 2019 film. My summary, after a dream job causes her and her boyfriend to break up, a woman and her best friends go on one last adventure. I gave this a 61. It has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Jennifer Caton Robinson, starring Gina Rodriguez, Brittany Snow, Dewan DeWise, Peter Vack, RuPaul, Lakeith Stanfield, Alex Moffat, Rebecca Naomi Jones, and Jabuki Young White, among others. And this is Someone Great. It's a Netflix movie. Uh, I talked about this already, so we won't go too deep into it. Uh, but as far as just a depiction of, of female friendships and female relationships and, you know, kind of a 24-hour movie that takes place in the span of one night, I found it enjoyable. I found it fun. And, you know, it's not, I don't know if I'd call it high art or anything like that, but uh, I think as far as just like a lazy afternoon or, or, you know, late night watch, I think it's perfectly enjoyable and, and has enough uh, fun and, and good performances. You know, Lakeith Stanfield, Gina Rodriguez, uh, Brittany Snow, Devon Devon DeWise are, are all great in this and uh, it shows it it really does help push this along um i i really i think i talked about this before but um the the format of the film is a little unconventional in terms of flashbacks which i really appreciate i think it adds just enough of a spice to the film to make it more interesting more unique more compelling and yeah, I, I, I urge you to check it out. I think it's uh, worth looking into. Worth looking into. Someone great, like I said, I talked about it before. There is an episode on it already. Uh, so if you want more detailed thoughts, you can find that. But I recommend it. Number four, someone great. Number four. Number three. Number three is... A film I saw May 11th, 2019. It is 116 minutes long, just shy of two hours. It's a 2019 film. My summary, a journalist reunites with his childhood babysitter, who is also running for president. I gave this a 62. It has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Jonathan Levine, starring Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron, O'Shea Jackson Jr., June Diane Raphael, June Diane, Raphael, Ravi Patel, Bob Odenkirk, Andy Serkis, Randall Park, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, and Lisa Kudrow, and others. Lots of others. Um, it's long shot. Still in theaters? Kinda? Maybe? Um, probably nearing the end of its run at this point. Uh, I think I mentioned, talked about this. It's got pretty good reviews. I was pretty not looking forward to it honestly but i was won over by the chemistry between rogan and theron um charlize theron Uh, she is great 
um, the the film really lets her sort of stretch out into this character, into this role. It is a fairly long comedy. It's two hours, and that's a lot. That is that is a lot. And I thought I knew that going in. So, you know, this is the kind of movie you kind of you could probably explain the plot from without even seeing it if you've seen enough rom-coms and I don't think it really diverges from that plot all too much but by having this longer runtime it gives us a much greater build-up and much more authentic and natural progression between these characters as we see Rogan and Throne progress from hey remember when you used to babysit me to uh, hey, do you want to work on my staff and write for me? To hey, you know, kind of starting to have feelings for her. To hey, da 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 da, and like, it's a long time before the actual romance element rears its head. And by that point, you really know these characters. You really feel invested in them, and their chemistry is so good together that 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 you buy it. You know, not that, you know, a Seth Rogen and a Charlize Theron couldn't be together, but just that the movie presents it as if this is the most lopsided relationship as far as attractiveness goes that could have ever existed. And that's hardly true. But um, if there's any doubts, the chemistry, the performances, both Rogen's and Thrones are are more than enough to to overwhelm and and push aside any concerns that I had at least. Uh, it's pretty funny. Sometimes it it does go far, go too far. There's a scene early on where Rogan jumps out of a window and we watch him like ricochet off of three things before he hits the ground that probably should have killed him. And he kind of gets up and runs away after that. Ridiculous. Uh, so there's come a couple moments where I think uh, the comedy pushes itself out of the world of reality and those I didn't particularly enjoy but June Diane Raphael I love O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character uh he kind of keeps popping up in a lot of things lately which I understand uh his character was surprisingly great I like the sort of last moments you get with him when he's kind of sharing some information with Rogan about himself, I liked that scene. I think this movie goes a, does a good job of of balancing Rogan's character's uh, sort of anti-establishment, um, liberal agenda with out being too anti-conservative. And I liked it. I thought the movie was pretty good. Uh, Jonathan Levine who did 50-50, which is great, and Warm Bodies, which I thought was fine, uh, Snatched is awful, the Night Before is okay, uh, but, yeah, uh, Long Shot, I, I, I'm a fan, I liked it, and it's probably not in theaters anymore, but it'll probably be on Amazon in, like, a couple of weeks, so, if you missed it, and didn't want to go to the theater to watch a two-hour comedy. It'll be uh, available online soon enough. Long shot, my number three. 
My number two, another film I've already talked about, uh, so we don't have to get too deep into it. Uh, it is a 2019 film. I watched it May 16th, and it is a little over two hours long. My summary, the world is against the greatest assassin in the world. That's a bad, bad summary. I shouldn't use world twice. Uh, I gave it a 73. Big jump up here. Uh, it has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is from the John Wicks franchise. Uh, this is... Directed by Chad Stahelski, starring Keanu Reeves, Halle Berry, Ian McShane, Lawrence Fishburne, Angelica Houston, Saeed Tagmawi, Mark Dacascas, Lance Reddick, Jerome Flynn, Asia Kate Dillon, Jason Mantzoukas, uh, among others. And it's John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Like I said, talked about already, I love the John Wick franchise. This is a step down for me, but I did really enjoy it. Uh, I think sometimes the action is a little long. It does teeter on the edge of, of excessive and, and not excessive in like you're going too far with this but it's just like an action sequence will take 20 minutes and it's just it's too much right move the movie along it doesn't need to be two over two hours you know this can be a tight hour 50 maybe hour 45 if you cut out some of the uh excessive action i don't want to get rid of any of the action sequences i love all the extra characters halle berry is great uh, Angelica Houston is great. Mark Dacascas is great. Jerome Flynn, for his brief period in the movie, I enjoyed. Asia Kate Dillon, I really loved. Um, I love the sort of adjudicator element of this movie. I think each time each of these John Wick films brings in a new element, brings in something interesting and something more compelling and something to help build out this world, and I'm always here for it. Always here for that. Uh, I will say, uh, my biggest problem, and, and now I guess the movie's been out for a little long, well, mild spoilers for John, I did not like the ending scene, I think the last scene of the movie I'm not a fan of, uh, it involves Keanu Reeves, so his last moments in the movie, I didn't like that they showed that, um, I didn't like that they really happened, to be honest, uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, everything from the top of the Continental meeting between Reddick, McShane, Reeves, and Asia K. Dillon, from that point on, I didn't really want that. So, uh, I think that's my biggest knock against it. That and the extended sequences. Love the dogs. Uh, Holly Berry and the dogs, great. Didn't really like the Said Tagmawi uh, side adventure. I think there's better ways they could have gotten to that point. But it's still a ton of fun. Great action, as always. Really inventive, really creative. And it's John Wick. It's Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, Halle Berry, uh, Mark Dacascos. Like, all these like over 50-year-old people still kicking butt and... Taking names, man. It's it's really impressive. So, number two, John Wick, chapter three, Parabellum. Which brings us to our number one, uh, or my number one new movie that I saw in May. I saw it May 23rd, 2019. It is 98 minutes long. It is a 2019 film. I have talked about it and done an episode on it. My summary, two teenagers realize they've been missing out on partying and cram four years worth into one night. 
Gave this a 74. It has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Olivia Wilde, starring Caitlin Dever, Beanie Feldstein, Jessica Williams, Jason Sudeikis, Diana Silvers, Skylar Gazondo, Billy Lord, Molly Gordon, Mason Gooding, Eduardo Franco, Lisa Kudrow, Will Forte, among others. Uh, and this is Booksmart. Booksmart. Talked about it already, uh, but it's just so much fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's currently got nominations from me for picture, director, for Olivia Wilde, lead for both Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Dever, supporting for Billy Lord, who I thought was fantastic and just so much fun in this movie. Screenplay, score, um, probably best scene, although I still have to work that category out uh, on my on the website. It's, I think it's better than Superbad, um, but, you know, I, I think there's this, I don't know, I think there's this sort of ire that people have about ever making a movie that is similar to a previous movie except with women in the main roles. And, you know, whether it's Ghostbusters or Booksmart or, you know, whatever else it might be, I don't have a, I don't have an innate problem with that. Like, that that in and of itself does not make me upset at this movie if you, I don't know, turn it into a female version of this other movie. That's whatever. But my thing is... As long as it's not, as long as this movie isn't called Superbad, starring women instead of, it's like not a remake. This isn't a remake of Superbad. It is, the characters are fundamentally different. The plot is is fundamentally different. There are different beats that it hits. It, it is, has different emotional uh, impact. And that I support. Um, remaking Ghostbusters with women like I said, I don't think it's the Ghostbusters remake was a bad movie. I just don't think we need to remake old movies like Ghostbusters or Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with women. We can make new movies that star women like Booksmart, even if they ape or homage or, or parody, you know, a classic thing, Ocean's 8, you know, those sorts of things. I would just rather have quote-unquote original movies so i really like book smart i thought it was a ton of fun um yeah there's a interesting i keep seeing these commercials i think it's nope not him i'm not sure if i'm gonna be yes eduardo franco who's in this movie uh he plays the he's like a guy that got held back two or three years in high school he, I keep seeing him all the time in these Geico commercials that are, it's just such, so strange because he's supposed to be, you know, like a fully fledged adult in those commercials. And in this, he's a high schooler, albeit one that was held back a couple years, but I always find that interesting. Um, so if you see those Geico commercials, you'll recognize him. Maybe you've already have. I think it's fun. Um, yeah. There's good stuff in this. Good stuff. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It, Man, I wish it had done better at the box office, but um, it didn't. 
hasn't. Uh, still in theaters, uh, some theaters, if you want to give it a look. I recommend it. I think it's pretty good, and I hope, well, I guess I don't hope, but I, I think there's a good shot uh, that it, some of its nominations are still here at the end of the year. So, Booksmart, my number one. I'll run down those top ten one last time. Starting with number 10, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, Knock Down the House, Shin Godzilla, Godzilla versus Destoroyah, Amazing Grace, Someone Great, Long Shot, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, and Booksmart. Uh, those are my top 10 new movies that I saw in May. Uh, like I said, it was kind of a weak month. Already in June, I have seen as many, more movies than I saw in the entirety of May, yes, and already I have enough movies in the top 10 where none of them are below 50, so June is looking like a much better month, still 10, a little over 10 days to go, and uh, should be good, should be fun. Thank you for listening to today's episode, it does mean a lot, always appreciate it. If you would like to get in touch with me about anything, anything, everything, you find me on Twitter, at Circle of Film. You can find me on Letterboxd, at Circle of Film. You can email circleoffilm at gmail.com, or you can go to the website, circleoffilm.com, for lots of things. Uh, all the old episodes, plus Circle of Film Award lists, statistics, um, month-born actor lists. You can check out the last time I did top 10 June-born actors and see how they see who those are, and uh, eventually what how they'll stack up against the one the list from this month. You can also support the show if you so choose. Um, like, rate, review, subscribe, uh, whatever it is on whatever platform application that you listen uh, is a great help and would go a long way. Uh, or if you are feeling financially benevolent, you can go to patreon.com slash circle of film and become a patron for as little as eight cents an episode so cheap. Uh, but don't do that if it would, you know, hurt your bank account. Anyway, thank you for listening to today's episode. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.